Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here with us at Spirit of Grace Church online on our Facebook page, as well as we have several on our Zoom uh, meeting as well. Thank you for being with us. <clears throat> Today's going to be a little bit different than what we've done in the last couple of weeks. We, first of all, want to thank all of you on in our church family, as well as those around <clears throat> the world on Facebook that have left your regards to our family at the passing of my father-in-law, Don. Uh, it's the reason Trish is not here. She's actually in the other room on FaceTime with her family. <clears throat> and so uh, today we're going to just go right into the word of the Lord, but we want to thank you. Don Smalley was a great man of God, and uh, we're, we're glad to know that he is healed and uh, whole in the presence of the Lord today. And so while we're sorrowful, we're rejoicing at the same time. So thank you for your kind words and your prayers in the upcoming days. We'll let you know how things are going and and what kind of that means uh, for us going forward in the next few weeks. But today we do want to go into the word of the Lord and we'll uh, bring Trish back uh, this week and she'll be able to share with music. It's hard. Normally I would just call the praise team and have them be ready, but <clears throat> I didn't think they'd be very happy about that this morning. And... Uh, <coughs> So we're just going to go right into the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 22, want to read from there and uh, be into the story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, it was kind of a, a weird weekend, obviously, with the passing of my father-in-law, but yesterday morning I was sitting in our living room wondering what I was supposed to share with you today, and uh, as, as as those that are in our church have heard me say, sometimes he gives me a heads up, sometimes he doesn't. And so last night about oh eight thirty or nine o'clock, um, after dealing with all the things that we were dealing with during the day, the Lord just kind of <clears throat> spoke to me and, and whispered this into my. Spirit, and so I'm going to share this with you today. Uh, I'm going to entitle this message simply this When God Doesn't Make Sense. When God Doesn't Make Sense. And uh, I wish He always made sense because I'm so sensible, you know. But, uh, you know, it, God's sense is not our sense. And so I want to give us a couple of tools um, today that when things are going haywire like they have been over the last couple of months, and and I'm hoping and praying that uh, we're able to get back together sooner than later. Uh, we are waiting this week to hear from our governor, and we'll see what happens. Um, but we're looking forward to a great time together as soon as this is lifted and we're able to uh, reunite together at <clears throat> the church. I'm thankful for uh, online, though, being able to see several of your faces through Zoom and then knowing and seeing all of you that are popping up on our Facebook live presentation as we're going along. It's just good to know that we're all together and listening to the word of the Lord. So Genesis chapter 22 verse 1 says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. 
So the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Notice I have underlined in there the, the word we. He and Isaac were going to worship, not just Abraham. <clears throat> so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, and so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And uh, I want to just share with you this concept of when God doesn't make sense. Because um, he challenges us sometimes to do so. I, I, I would like to say that I am fearless, um, but I'm not. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> I don't like roller coasters. I, I never really have uh, liked roller coasters. When we would go to Valley Fair as um, young people, uh, I'd only go on roller coasters just to make sure I wasn't made fun of. And so <clears throat> I was the there's two types of roller coaster riders. There's those that are like me that you know they they're hesitant to get on to begin with. Then when they get on, they're worried that the bar is not going to stay locked and so they're holding on white knuckled style and they're they're shouting through the whole thing, but sometimes they wonder whether the shout is uh, a shout of joy or a shout of fear. And when you're done, you're just thankful to be over and being able to get out in one piece. And the second style of uh, roller coaster riders are the crazy people that jump in. They don't really care whether the bar is secure or not, and they're not going to put their hands on anything. They're going to hold them straight up in the air and just go knowing that, uh, trusting that the tra the car is going to stay on its track and and they're going to enjoy it. And they get off, or they're they're sh they're shouting and and. Uh, having a good time and then when they get done and they get off they're getting off with a joy and excitement saying oh man let's do that again and uh, I have come to believe that the the two different styles of roller coaster riders are a lot like uh, Christians there are some that uh, would get onto this ride called life with God and they're fearful and they get on and they just hope everything is strapped and that he's going to take care of everything. And they walk through life holding on with a, the white knuckled fear and not letting go, not moving anything. And then there are those that jump in and just 
let God take them, knowing that God's going to keep you on the track. And they end up enjoying some of the ups and downs of the roller coaster of life. And uh, I would challenge you today that that's the kind of life that you'll enjoy is when you just let God take control and take care, knowing that if you're in his hands, it's not coming off the track. You're very, very safe, even though sometimes it may not feel safe, even though sometimes you may wonder what he's doing. Sometimes you may wonder why you're going through this. And uh, now I'm probably dating myself, but I was around when the old in in Valley Fair before they had the very first thing was called the corkscrewer where you went upside down. People were nuts. <clears throat> and uh but uh I, I remember when that was built and it was one of the first ones there at Valley Fair when when you would do that and you would just pray that you didn't fall out of the little harness as you spun around and and things of that nature. And so sometimes it, it's exhilarating, sometimes it's fearful. But in all actuality, when you uh, look at what God can do. God can make it safe no matter what stage of the coaster you're in. And uh, so in this passage of scripture that we read today, I find it very interesting, a couple of key points. Number one, the Bible says at the very first verse, it says that God was going to test Abraham. Now we read that and realize that, hey, this whole thing is a test. But Abraham didn't know it was a test. Uh, Abraham just was listening to God. Abraham didn't understand what the next few hours and days would be. He didn't understand what was actually happening. He was getting ready for a test without realizing he was being tested. And when the Bible says that God was testing him, um, I, I believe that that test was not only for God, because God knows your heart, but God wanted to test him so that Abraham understood what was inside of Abraham as well. And, and so uh, the, the test was, okay, Abraham, I promised you that through your son Isaac, many, uh, a great nation would be born. You'd be the father of many nations. And, uh, but now I'm asking you to sacrifice and take Isaac, and I'm going to test you, but I'm not letting you know. I'm just asking you to sacrifice him. I'm asking you to lay him down on an altar. Now, that does not make sense to me. That doesn't, I'm sure it didn't make sense to Abraham. Abraham probably, we don't read it in scripture, but I, if he's like me, he was probably thinking, God, you gave this child to me. This was your promise. I'm I'm over a hundred years old and and I'm trying to raise this child in your 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 will your way your I mean you've chosen him to be the promise keeper of what you've given to me and now you're asking me to sacrifice that doesn't make sense God and uh, but at the same time Abraham doesn't get into that conversation he just says okay we're going to go and we're going to worship. And uh, so I, I glean from this passage four different things that you and I can do when God doesn't make sense. God never makes sense when he's testing you. It doesn't make sense. So if you're, if you're going through something right now that doesn't make sense in the, uh, your eyes with God, just trust that God may be just testing you. Not necessarily to see whether you're going to fail or not. That, that's not his purpose of testing. I'm going to discuss that in a second. But his purpose of testing is so that you can see what you're made of. Uh, I have read several 
biographies or whatever and uh, of different successful people. And one of the key ingredients in all of those people is simply the fact that they realize who they are. Uh, not in a boastful manner, but in a, in a grateful manner, in a humble manner. I know who I am in my expertise, if you will. Um, and, and so when you understand who you are in Christ, then you've passed a test that allows you to understand you are walking in authority, you are walking in power, you are walking in the hands and the tools of Jesus Christ. So I want to share these four things that I want to remind you of. We're, we're in the middle, I believe, of a test. Did God send the coronavirus to cause all of this mayhem to happen? No, but God is using it. What, what the adversary meant for evil, God will turn into good. And I believe that God is testing some people because sometimes you and I uh, get so reliant on the fact that, oh, if I can just get to church on Wednesday, I'll make it. If I can just get to church on Sunday, I'll make it. Well, we're not getting to church on Wednesday and to church on Sunday uh, in the physical, in natural ways. We're doing it online. We're doing it virtually. We're doing it through prayer. We're doing it through spirit. And I believe that when we come out on the other side, Paul mentioned this in his Sunday school class earlier today, I believe when we come out on the other side, we will be stronger. We will be more apt to stand against the things. We're going to become more powerful on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because we're not going to be in that mindset of, let me just get to the next service, because I'm learning every day how to live in him. And so the first thing that I want you to keep in mind today is that God's testing is always to stretch our quality capacity. God's testing is always to stretch our quality capacity. In other words, what are your qualities? What are your characteristics? What is it that God is trying to form you and mold you in? See, there's a difference. The King James uses the word tempt in verse 1 and not test. I read from the New Living today and that they use the word test. There's a difference between tempt and testing. Tempting is trying to get you to do something that will cause you to fall and to fail. Testing is uh, a way for you to measure and for our instructor, our rabbi, if you will, God, to, to, to measure what qualities are growing in us. And so from time to time, God has to allow tests to come into our lives, not to tempt us to fail, but to hone the things that we should be learning and to identify Think about it in, in, in terms of school and study. You know, a, a, a good teacher, I wouldn't say all teachers, but a good teacher will give a test not to try to trip a student up, not to try to see that, make sure that they fail, but they give a test to try to see where that student is at and try to figure out what's the next level that they can teach in. Uh, they gauge your progress. And so when God allows a test to come in your life, he's not tempting you to fail and to give up. He's trying to see where you're at. And he's trying to, uh, not necessarily even for him, because like I said, he knows where you're at, but so that you understand where you're at. I can look at things differently today because of things that I've already experienced. I've passed the test, if you will. And there's things that I have failed when God has tested. He said, okay, we need to relearn this. And the quicker we learn it, the less testing needs to happen. And so in this stretching for quality capacity, it occurs 
when God is trying to expand a virtue or a characteristic in us. It's the reason why I've often told people and said and preached, don't ask God for patience if you're not willing to let patience be born in you. Because he's going to give you some things to grow your patience and stretch your patience. And I see some of you laughing on the screen today. Some of you, uh, we, we want to be more patient. We say, God, help me to be more patient. Well, the only way to be more patient is to go through some testing that stretches us, that, that, that molds us, that forms us. And so testing is occurring when God is getting ready to change or move you or mold you into that next thing that he has for you. And so don't despise the test, embrace the test and say, God, help me to stretch, help me to stretch whatever virtue you're trying to put in, help me to stretch whatever characteristic uh, you're trying to put into my spirit, into my being so that I can come to the other side. Really, if you think about it, and I know this goes against our nature because most of us don't like tests, but tests are really a compliment. When God lets us go through a test, he's really complimenting us on what we have already accomplished and what we have become, and he's wanting to identify what we've become. The example I use is the Old Testament character of Job. Think about this. Job didn't ask for anything. God and the devil didn't ask. God in, in, instigated the whole book of Job, if you will. He's the one that asked the adversary or Satan. He said, have you considered my servant Job? God was trying to prove a point. God was trying to show the entire spirit world and today our natural world that when God knows something about us, he's going to allow a test to come because he knows that you're going to pass the test and give a black eye to the enemy of, of our soul. And so sometimes, oftentimes, a test is simply a compliment of God saying, listen, you've listened to what I've drawn you to, what I've made you into, what I've, what I've asked you to become. And so now I'm going to reveal that to others. I can think back through my life of all of the people that have had an influence on me. And I wish I could remember every message that my pastors have preached and I wish I could remember every lesson that my Sunday school teachers shared, but that's impossible to do. But the people that I remember the most and that spoke the most into my life through actions and through words, but more through actions, are those people that I could see that they were going through a test, and yet they came through the test with a straight A. And I, I've used people in, in messages throughout my ministry of, of people that um, ha, have done that, people like Victoria Booker, who some of you watching will remember from Apostolic Bible Church where I grew up at, or, or George By, or uh, in Kansas City where we were at, Charles Parmley, in Spirit of Grace Church, Gary and Lil Wisebrod, and Granny Helen and Catherine Mackey. Those people, I watched them go through test after test after test, and I can go through things now because of watching them and seeing them go through their tests. So when you're being tested, oftentimes I believe that it's God complimenting you on who you are in him, and he's using it to speak to somebody else. Don't ever forget that somebody is watching everybody. And so if somebody is watching you, they're wanting to see what happens in the midst of the test. And when you come on the other side of the test successful, 
those people will look at us and say, listen, I want what that person has. A test, when, when nothing seems to be making sense, just know that God is trying to stretch you. And uh, it makes you more like Christ when he does that. The second thing I want to remind you of today uh, when it comes to this thing when God doesn't make sense that I draw from this passage of scripture where Abraham uh, is willing to sacrifice Isaac is to do this. Remember the Lord's provision in your past. Uh, I don't want you to dwell in the past. And last week we talked about being very present. But there are times in our presence where, uh, present I, where I need to remember that God provided in the past. And because that retains the trust uh, for the present. Notice that uh, Abraham said, we're going to worship and then we'll be back. He didn't say, we're going to go worship and I'll be back, or I'm going to go worship and I'll be back. He, we, he knew that somewhere down deep inside of him, he just trusted God enough that he was going to make a way because he had already made a way uh, of having Isaac in the first place watching God come through when even when Abraham messed up. And uh, I look back on my life and there's some things that I don't fear anymore because I've seen God bring us through it too many times. And uh, I, I remember some of the sacrifices that we had to make and the testing that we had to make and some of the places that we had to live in and some of the things that we had to go through and some of the stress points that we had to deal with through our lives that now, if those same stress points came up, they would not be stressful because I know God has provided. And I've looked back through the course of my life and I've watched and seen now in retrospect where God turned us down a different path or turned me down a different path. And at the time, it was a fearful path. At the time, I wasn't sure what God was doing, but now it, it's looking back after you know this many years i i see god was in it god was doing it uh i mean what i i wish i could say it was just for me but i just believe that god had his plans but it wasn't an accident that i ended up going to the east coast it wasn't an accident that i came back to the midwest it's just the way god has dealt with us and led us and looking back at the time we didn't understand at the time we didn't know what was going on we were just trying to put one step in front of the other, but we remembered throughout our past, both my wife and I and our family's past, that God always was faithful. And God always brought us, if we listened to him, the only times in my past that I've messed up and things have become a mess is because I didn't listen to him or because I didn't respond quick enough to him. When he was calling us to do something different and we held on to that, that situation we were in and saying, I want to embrace this, I want this, I want this, I want this, and God is saying, no, I'm trying to take this so I can give you this. That's when I've had problems in life. But every time that I've just listened obediently and faithfully to what God was saying, I, I've, I've ne I don't have any regrets. God has brought us through. I had a teacher in college that uh, she made this statement uh, at the end of my first year. She said, and I don't know if she originated this or if she heard it, but she said, many things I've held in my hands but the things that I have let go, I still retain. And uh, the things that I hold on to, I, I've lost. Because uh, when you let them go to God, he'll provide and lead you. 
And, and so Isaac here, God, Abraham is saying, okay, I'm willing to let Isaac go because God has asked me to do so. Doesn't make sense, but I'm willing to let it go, God. Which brings me to the, the third thing that we need to remember in this, these seasons where God just doesn't make sense to us. And that is speak faith and act faith even when you don't feel faith. Speak faith and act faith even when you don't feel faith. Notice what the terminology that Abraham used in this passage. He said, we will come back. We will go worship and we will come back. He told uh, Isaac, God will supply a sacrifice. Did Abraham know what that, supp that supply method was going to be? I don't believe so. I believe that Abraham thought, well, he'll raise him from the dead if he has to. Whatever it is, God's going to make. I I I'm just going to do what I need to do uh, because God has asked me to do it. And uh, so he was speaking faith and acting faith. There's, there's another aspect to this that most of us don't realize when we read this. Most theologians will put this time frame that Isaac and, uh, or Abraham and Isaac go up to the mountain as Isaac being either a teenager or a young man, not just a little boy. And so to get on the sacrifice, uh, altar of sacrifice, was not just an Abraham thing, but something that Abraham had done through his life, spoke something to Isaac that said, okay, I, we will worship. And if I'm going to be the sacrifice, I will worship that to the Lord. And because I, as a teenager uh, versus a hundred and some year old, uh, probably Isaac could have probably resisted. And we don't read that in scripture. Uh, we read that he is on the altar. And I believe that something was taught, something was transmitted between Abraham and Isaac that day, or in days previous to where Isaac was willing to become the sacrifice. And so when you begin to speak by faith, whether you feel like it or not, things will begin to happen for you. Uh, when I say that, I don't mean that God will just miraculously answer your candy stick questions. In other words, don't walk out of your home today and say, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm speaking it in faith and expect God to deposit a check in your bank account this week. That's not what I'm talking about. I wish that was going to happen. That's not the way it works. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you speak and act faith, it doesn't change God's mind. It changes our perspective. I want to say that again. When we speak and act in faith, even when we don't feel faith, it's not God that we change. It's our perspective that we change. In other words, it, it may be, we may be in the middle of a thunderstorm, but if I speak faith that God's got everything in control and that he controls the wind and the rain, then my perspective about the storm changes and I become stronger for it. And when I become stronger for it, God is more apt to say, okay, now you're passing a test. Let me provide the answer. You see, when God doesn't make sense, if we would just begin to act in faith, it will shift our perception of what's going on. And when our perception shifts, we are more able to receive the provision of God. It's the reason I believe that Paul said in, in Romans 12, 2, and we quote it all the time, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
when your perception is renewed and when you're doing it that way, then God sees it and, and he'll begin to speak and you'll be able to recognize. It doesn't mean that he's not providing to begin with. It just means now you're recognizing his provision. See, too often when we get into these places where God doesn't make sense, if we don't act in faith, we act out of fear, we act out of apprehension, we fail sometimes to realize the avenue or the, the boat, if you will, that God is sending to the middle of the storm for us. And when we fail to recognize it, we operate in fear and we make decisions that we normally wouldn't make because uh, he's not as close to us or we're not as close to him, I should say, uh, than, than we are, are normally. Uh, and so when you begin to act in faith, now faith is, is an interesting thing. When you speak faith or act faith, it's simply this. Faith is simply means this. It's an anacronym. It says, forsaking all, I take him. Forsaking all, I take him. So whatever it is that God speaks into you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or what any other situation is, I take him. I forsake all to take him. And it doesn't make sense sometimes. And sometimes uh, I've, I've made this statement oftentimes in my preaching, God, faith will get you into as many problems as it will get you out of. Because when you're operating by faith, God takes the problem solve solution or the solver to the problem. And sometimes it's your prayer that's the solution. Sometimes it's your testimony that's the solution. Sometimes it's your action that's the solution. And so if you're walking in faith, sometimes you're the solution to somebody else's problem. And so your faith leads you into arenas of difficulties and problems because God is using you as an answer to somebody else's prayer. And so don't ever uh, disregard or don't ever complain about the test that God is getting ready. Even though it doesn't make sense, it could very well be that God sees in you the answer to somebody else's prayer. And so be willing to follow after and act in faith and speak in faith because faith will bind your nothingness to almightiness. You don't have the tools necessary. I don't have the tools necessary on our own to make really any difference in the world. But when we, by faith, connect it to God and to almightiness, everything can, anything can happen. And I've read, I like reading history. I like especially reading American history and the founding of our country and the early people and the historical icons you know that that we have treasured in america for so long i enjoy reading biographies about them and writings about them and uh most often all of them basically said uh i just whatever it takes that's what we're going to do and that is a statement of faith whatever it takes i'm just going to i'm going to do it so when Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, what he's really saying is, by faith, I, I'll take liberty, but if I, I, I just don't want anything else. I, I, give me death if I can't be, uh, have liberty. Uh, and, and that's what Abraham is basically saying in this sacrifice. And Isaac is saying, I'm, I'm going to have to go through death if I want life. And so I might as well choose death over life and, and God will supply the need that's at hand. And when he gets to that point, that's when God steps in. Could God have stepped in and said, now Moses or Abraham, I see you've gathered the wood. You're walking towards the mountain. I trust in you now. And you've passed the test. He doesn't do that. He waits until the very 
point of death. And sometimes when God doesn't make sense, he takes us to the very point of our destruction before he steps into the scene. And that doesn't make sense to us. And sometimes that angers us because God, why couldn't you just show up you know, three days ago? I've been doing, dealing with this for three days. I've been dealing with this for 10 years. I've been dealing with this for 15 years. And, and now, and, and don't get so caught up in how long it's taking God. Just know he always steps in at the very right time. He always steps in at the perfect time. And so when God doesn't make sense, he's stretching your capacity of character. He's stretching your capacity of quality and virtue. Remember in these days and this time that God's provided for you in the past. And so then act out and speak out in faith even when you don't feel it. Go to the very edge. Can I just tell you, the the hardest thing for us to register in our mindset is total trust. Faith is really trust. And, and, and so timing is part of trust. You, you know, I trust that at the end of the week, I'm going to receive a paycheck if I work the hours that I worked. I, I, I trust that. And so if a mistake happens and that paycheck's not there, even though I've worked it, well, we've got a problem. And, and see, that's inbred in us as from the time we're raised. And we, we use the term justice. You know, we want to have justice. Well, there's only one just. His name is Christ, Jesus Christ. And, and his justice is always meted out in his time setting his time frame. For instance, it did it make sense that the the one of the three men on the cross, Jesus and the two thieves, the one was joined him in paradise even after a life lived of misery and crime and and the other didn't. Well, it was at that moment in time, at the very point of death, Jesus stepped in because somebody stepped up to him and called out to him. In other words, what do you have to lose? Because the Bible says, if you'll lose your life, you'll gain his. Paul put it to this way. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So that's the King James Version. <laughs> the King James Version is, I can lose everything, but I gain him. And that's really what, what this thing called do, doing something when God doesn't make sense. God doesn't make sense, and he, we don't have the right to expect him to make sense. He never said, I'm going to explain everything to you. He just said, take up your cross and follow me and deny yourself. He, he, he said, I will lead you line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. I'm not going to give you the whole picture. I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm doing. I'm just going to ask that you trust me. Uh, I remember, and I'm going to get to my last point here in just a minute, but I remember when we lived in Kansas City and, and Owen was, uh, he lived there from birth till about five was when we moved here to Minnesota, but we had a pool in our backyard. And, uh, uh, so it was one summer, he must've been two or three and it was time to get him, uh, in the pool to swim. And now where, where I was raised in Minnesota here and the way my dad taught me to swim is probably not 
the way that I taught Owen to swim because my dad basically watched, walked me to the dock and, and pushed me in and then was there to help me when I was gasping for air. But that's kind of how I learned how to swim is he just p pushed me in and let me, let me go. And, and, um, but with, with Owen, when I was in the pool, I would stand there and I would stand back and I'd tell him to jump and, and that I'd catch him. And that, that, and, and so at two and a half, three years old, this little kid is is scared to death of jumping because he doesn't the water was over his head he knew it was deep he he wasn't sure about it but he trusted his dad enough to catch him and so he started jumping well then i couldn't get him to stop jumping and uh so it was hours and hours of letting him crawl up on the edge and then jump in so that i could catch him and uh that's kind of how god works he's standing in the deep waters of uncertainty and we're standing on the edge and he's saying, just jump. I've got you. I'll catch you. I know exactly what you're doing. I know where you're at. I, I, my feet are on the ground. You may not be able to touch, but I can touch. And if we would just jump one time, we would find out like the roller coaster rider that, that goes crazy and raises his hands and not, not, is not concerned about a thing with the ride, that we will find the exhilarating power and presence of God as he catches us when we jump. And today, God is wanting us to jump, even if it doesn't make sense. As long as he's calling, he's ready to catch us. Which leads me to the fourth and final point of this message today, and that is this. When God doesn't make sense, expect God to reveal more of himself. God is going to reveal himself in the midst of days and years and hours that doesn't make sense to us. You know, it's it's... Well, there's an old saying that, that says this, in order to know the strength of the anchor, we must experience the storm. And uh, we don't get to understand God. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Paul understood that if we didn't go through some of the suffering, if we didn't go through some of those days and years where it didn't make sense, uh, we're not going to see God in the expanse that God is. Uh, and, and let me just kind of give you a, a crude example of this, and, and hopefully this will make sense in how God reveals. Uh, my dad was a big man. He was 6'3", six, 6'4", 200 and some odd pounds. He was a professional athlete. Those of you that know him played uh, in the Olympics in 72, played professional hockey for the Minnesota Fighting Saints. Um, so he was, a, he was a big guy. And uh, I'll never remember, or I'll never forget, I'll never, I'll never forget uh, driving to a hockey tournament um, when I was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Uh, the Saturday tickets, mom and dad and my aunt and uncle gave me their tickets and I would always bring two or three friends and we'd go to the Saturday afternoon games and then they would go to the Saturday night game. And and uh, I remember getting my friends in the back seat and my dad always drove the car with his left hand on the wheel and his right hand was always up on the back of the seat. And uh, so anybody sitting in the back seat could see the size of my father's hands. It kept us all in line, I suppose. And... Uh, he was a very, very large hand, very big hand. And I remember listening to my friends just in utter surprise at how big my dad's hand was and to where some of them were even a little bit of afraid of this big guy. And uh, But the friends that got to know my dad realized my dad was mush. 
and um, and that he and so by the time we would get through high school, a lot of my friends knew my dad and knew that my dad was not a big hand of a sledgehammer, but he was a big hand of support. And uh, that's what God, God can be a sledgehammer. He's got, the Bible says this, behold the goodness and the terribleness of God. God can be a terrible God from time to time. When his wrath is unleashed, just ask Noah and those of that generation. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah and the judgment of that, that situation. God can be awfully hard. God can be awfully big. But because of those same big hands that can be filled with wrath are also those same big hands that are filled with love and mercy. The thing is, is you don't find either one of them until you're into a situation of problem. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we go through these tests is because God wants us to know that his heart is big, that his arms are wanting to embrace us and, and give us strength. And when we mess up and when we fall, he takes the hand of wrath and judgment and he doesn't take it down on us. He takes it back to Calvary and allows us to feel his mercy new every morning and feel his grace. Don't don't misunderstand the fact that all of the stuff that we do wrong is still being judged. It's just that the judgment or the price of that judgment is going back to Calvary. And every time we go through something and every time he doesn't make sense to us, what he is doing is he's trying to reveal himself to us in a brand new way. He's trying to reveal himself to us in a manner that we can embrace him, that we can fall back into his loving arms of mercy and grace and allow us to be at peace. That's why the Bible says in Philippians that he'll give us peace that passes all understanding. When it doesn't make sense, he can still give us peace. In this time, in this season right now, I believe over the last uh, six or eight weeks or something of that nature, I oh, it kind of hit home how long it's been since we've been together when I stopped in at the church the other day and uh, the last bulletin that we printed is sitting on the was sitting on the table and it's been over a month and so uh, it's been a while and so I'm, I'm we're trying to navigate through this quote unquote new normal and we don't necessarily know everything that's still coming forth and how it's going to be going forward and the adjustments that we're going to have to make but <clears throat> I do know this that God is taking this two months or whatever it is and when it doesn't make sense, and when there's questions that abound, I trust him that he's revealing himself even more. If we'll listen, he's trying to show us who he is in the midst of all of this. He's trying to show us his mercy, his grace. And uh, I believe that churches all around the world are going to come out of this stronger and better, not because of the strength of the church per se, but because of the strength of the hand of God, because he's, he's um, revealing himself to us. There are times right now that we see things darkly, but when we see them darkly, it means that it's getting ready for a revelation and the light to come on. Even this thing that we call the end time, the Bible says it this way, we, we see through a glass darkly, but then we're gonna see him face to face. At the darkest moment when things don't make sense is when not to become fearful, not to become afraid, not to back away, not to, to become disheartened, but to become expectant. Because at the darkest moment is when the light is getting ready to break forth. 
It's when that, that time where it's the uncertain moment of your life that God will step in. The darkest part of any life is just before the breaking of the dawn. And when God breaks forth in the light of his word, he reveals himself. And then all of the things that you've acted out and spoken out in faith begin to happen. And, and, and all of the stretching of the qualities that God has placed in you. The Bible says his gifts and callings are without repentance. So if he gave it to you when you were 10 and it's lied dormant, he's going to do what he can to try to get it to be stretched and become active again. And sometimes that takes situations that don't make sense. And so I want to speak directly into somebody's spirit right now. You're facing things, whether it be because of this virus, whether it be because of work situations, family situations, you're dealing with situations that don't make sense at all. Can I just challenge you? Hold your head high, put your shoulders back, keep on walking because surely the presence of God is getting ready to break forth in your life in a new way, in a new fashion. It's getting, you're going to start seeing cracks in the darkness and you're going to start seeing the light uh, shining through and just momentarily in a matter of days, hours, maybe even weeks that the whole uh, wall of darkness is going to break and crumble before you and you're going to step into a new light and joy is going to be restored and rejoicing is going to come forth and the power and the authority of the anointing of God will spill from you and allow you to step into new areas of ministry, new dimensions of relationship with him, new opportunities to affect others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is coming a major breakthrough in the spirit of God in this world. This wasn't, this pandemic has been worldwide, which lets me know that it's, it's not a regional thing. And that lets me know that it's not going to be a, reg, a regional breakthrough. It's going to be a global breakthrough. Here in Coon Rapids, God's going to break through, through us. And that's going to trickle all the way around the world. And we're going to feel the effects of him breaking through in my cup. And we're going to see uh, the breaking through in Africa. And we're going to see the breaking. We're going to experience what God does in England's going to ripple over here to us and, and us to them. And, and, and when that begins to happen, the excitement and the power and the presence of God that's going to explode in this world is going to be incredible. We're already seeing it. If you watch any of the online stuff and see different cities and countries that are falling on their face before God. Listen, that was unheard of eight weeks ago. That was unheard of just, just that short. I know it seems like it's been forever. It's really only been a, a, a little over a month now where we've been separated and isolated. In just that month, the, the, the knees and the voices of people around the world are falling before God. Don't tell me that God's not up to something, that God's not getting ready to explode in this world and with a revival and an anointing that's never been for we're going to come out of this i feel it i sense it in such a way in such a dynamic that's going to change everything that's going to happen around us it's going to be mind-blowing we're going to look back and say it didn't make sense that we had to spend two months online but now it makes sense because god is stretching us god is molding us god is forming us god is keeping us let him stretch you in these days, whatever you're going through. I know, I know our family's going through the loss of my father-in-law. I know others have lost loved ones, lost jobs, 
are dealing with family situations that are broken, that are people that are dealing with addiction issues. Listen, Jesus is still Jesus. Jesus is still Jesus. He's still the one that's in control. I know it may not seem like it because it doesn't make sense, but when it doesn't make sense, you can rest on his word. And his word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even unto the end of the world. Praise God. All around on Facebook, would you just bow your heads with me? I'd like to pray for you. I don't know where you're at today and I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know the one who does. And I'd like to call out to him for you right now. Jesus, by your authority, by your word, by your power, I'm thankful, God, that you gave us Abraham and Isaac as an example of what to do when things don't make sense around us, when we can't see your plan, we can't see your provision, we can't see what you're doing, but we can still trust you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would stretch us today. I pray that in these coming days and what you've already begun in the past few weeks, begin to stretch us even greater and allow us to step into new areas and avenues. Allow us, Lord God, to be ministering force for your kingdom. Lord, and for those that are hurting and struggling right now, those that are not at peace, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, people like Samuel that was requested in our Zoom meeting this morning, people like uh, the Smalley family and, and those that are dealing with loss and struggle and fight, those are dealing with addiction and, and they're just trying to keep their heads above water. I'm asking you, Lord God, right now, let the arms of God wrap around them and let them feel the strength of your embrace. Let them feel the mercy that's new every morning. Let them feel the peace that passes all understanding. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We love you so very much. We're so thankful that you joined us for this time. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night, should the Lord tarry, and uh, at 7 o'clock here on Facebook and on Zoom. And we're hoping and praying that it's not too much longer till we're gathered back together. Uh, and we're working on ways to keep our Facebook live up even, af even after we're back in the services together at the sanctuary. Uh, we're working hard on that. So that we're looking forward to all these kinds of things that doors that are being opened and opportunities that are coming. Uh, we're, we're excited about those. So we love you. We appreciate you for being with us this morning. Have a blessed day. Thank you for all your prayers and kind words to our family. Uh, and uh, go in the grace of God.